0: In Mark chapter 16:16, 16, 16, verse we're very familiar with Jesus says he that believes and is baptized will be saved. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, another verse we're very familiar with, Jesus te- or Peter tells us that if you want to change the state that you're in with God, what do you have to do? Repent and be baptized who? Every one of you for what purpose? Emission of sins. So that's how we become in a saved condition. Okay, now that we know that, now what? How is it that I can know for sure that I'm saved? How can I have no doubt how can I be confident in my salvation? And that's what I want to spend some time talking about this afternoon. I want us to consider, how can I know that I am saved? We're going to be spending a lot of time in the book of 1 John. When... Uh, when we were setting all this up, Mark said, you know, I'm afraid maybe we've been talking about your subject because we've been in First John a little bit here. I said, well, and he said what well, we've been covering, specifically chapter 5, I think he said. Is that right? Am I right? Okay. I want to make sure I was right because sometimes I forget stuff. We're going to talk about the whole book. So sit down, strap in, and get ready. Because I think... Based on what I see in the book of 1 John, I think that's what John is trying to help us with. So let's spend some time looking at that. We're going to spend our time in 1 John. We're going to start with 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. John writes, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, if we walk in the light, not just the way we think is right, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we're cleansed. Now, walking in the light, we just had uh, a little bit of a discussion of that, the difference between light and darkness. Good and evil. I think that's what John's talking about. That's how Jesus used it. That's how Peter used it. How John's using it. That's how Paul used it. Light and dark. Good and evil. If we're walking in the good. This is what he's talking about. So we're not walking in the darkness. We're walking in the light. Now, walking in the light, however, doesn't mean that we're perfect. You know, that's something that we have to we have to kind of get over ourselves a little bit. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we're perfect. Look at verse eight. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. John is writing this to Christians. He's not writing this to people that need to figure out how to put themselves in a saved condition with God. He's talking to individuals that are already in a saved condition with God. And he's saying, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. If I say I have no sin, I'm a liar. Well, how can I sin and yet be walking in the light? That doesn't make any sense. Look at chapter one or chapter two, sorry, verse one. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's his goal. And if anyone sins, and by the way, who is it that has sinned in this scenario? All of us, even those that have been saved. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. He is the payment. He is, uh, He is the option that we have that we can take. The propitiation. Because I can be in a saved condition and then I can sin, That's why Jesus went to the cross. He also went to the cross because if I'm not in a saved condition, that's the only way I can get into a saved condition. Through baptism into his name and contact with the cleansing blood of Christ. But once I've done that, Jesus continues to be my advocate. And God will continue to forgive my sin. But I have to attempt, I have to make every effort to walk in the light. Because if I'm not walking in the light, that means I've stepped out into the darkness. And Jesus, through forgiveness and his advocacy on my behalf, that is what allows me to come back into the light and continue my path. To continue walking in the light. So that I know in chapter 1, verse 7, that I have fellowship with the blood of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all sin. So the first thing I can know is if I'm walking in the light, I'm in a good relationship with God. If I mess up and I step out, I got to work my way back through the forgiveness of Jesus, the repentance of my sin. Chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So if I'm keeping the commandments of God, then I know him. I know who he is. If I'm not keeping his commandments, even if I cognitively understand that there is a God, I have no relationship with him. I know lots of people that Might cognitively think, I think there might be a God. They might even claim to know who God is. But John says if they're not following the commands of God, they don't really know Him. It's possible to know somebody and it's possible to know somebody. There's people, there's people that I'm friends with on Facebook. That I know who they are. I don't really know them. I don't really know them. Don't know them well. And there's people on on my Facebook that are friends with me that I know very well. If we know God very well, we will keep His commandments. Look at verse 5. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. I can know that I am in God if I'm keeping his commandments. Now, again, this goes back to walking in the life. It's not because I'm perfect. I still make mistakes. But I have the blood of Jesus Christ and his advocacy to bring me back. And, and I can do that because I really know who God is. I believe him. I know who he is. This, knowing God and keeping his commandments, this is how he says the love of God is perfected in me. This is how I can come to a deeper, more complete understanding of the love of God. If I'm keeping his commandments. In chapter 2, verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. John connects two things here. He says, by the way, if you're walking in the light as he is in the light, then you're his. You know him. You're with him. However, if you love your brother. That's part of walking in the light. Loving our brother is an important thing that we have to remember and we have to pay attention to. If I love my brother, I'm walking in the light. The flip side of that coin is, if I don't love my brother, where am I at? I'm in darkness. I'm walking in darkness. If I love my brother, then I am walking in the light. In verse 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See, somebody that's walking in darkness has no idea what's going to happen next. They don't, can't see where they're going. They can't see the end of the path. They can't tell when they've stepped off the path. They can't see when there's something in their road and they're going to trip and fall. They can't see any of that. Somebody who's walking in the light can see all those things. They can see when they've stepped off the path. They realize, just like John was talking about, they realize the darkness because they know what the light is. They can see the pothole or the hurdle that Satan has thrown in the way because they're looking at the light. They can see it and avoid it. Sometimes we just don't see it and we fall. We're not paying attention. We're not walking circumspectly as we're told to do. Looking around. As a result of that, we fall. But if we're in the light, we know we've fallen. And we can see how to get back up and which way to go now. That's part of Jesus' blood and his advocacy. I have to love my brother. Loving my brother is one of the ways, one of the markers that I can know. If I am with God, if I'm walking in the light. Verse 16. I'm sorry. Verse 15. I jumped ahead. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Now this is one we have to pay attention to. Because there are things in this world I love. I love my wife. I love my family. I love good food. I love rest when I need it. I love my Chiefs. I love my Wildcats. There's things in this world I love. He's not saying I can't enjoy things that are in this world. He's not saying that I can't take pleasure in created things or provided things that he has given to me. What he is saying is I cannot love them more than God. I can't love my chiefs or my wildcats more than God. God has to take precedence. I can't love the sunset more than I love God. I can't love my rest time more than I love God. I can't love my wife or my children more than I love God. Because if I do that, then the love of the Father is not in me. And the love of God is perfected in me when I do what? When I keep his commandments. That's what he just said a little bit ago. When I keep his commandments. Why is it Why is it that he warns us so sternly about putting too much trust or faith or confidence in the things of this world? Why does he not want us to love the world as much or more than we love him? Well, that starts in verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. There's the key. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. See, the things that I might love in this world, they're going to all go away. My chiefs aren't always going to be good. I'll enjoy it while I can. Because someday they're going to go away. They're going to fall apart just like the rest of this world. The sunset is going to go away. I love my wife and my children, but one of these days. God says there's no marriage in heaven. I'm not going to be Jill's husband in heaven. If I get too attached to the things here on earth then the love of the Father isn't in me because I'm loving things that are going to pass away, that are going to end. And when we love something that ends, it brings disappointment. brings heartbreak. Now that doesn't mean that I'm not sad when the things that I love in this world are gone. If we lose a loved one, or we lose a friend, or something that we treasure is stolen or lost or destroyed somehow. Doesn't mean that I'm not sad. But I, I don't put so much confidence in that thing that my love of God wavers. Because we should know that everything that's here on this earth at some point is going to pass away. It's going to end but the love of God, he who does the will of God, is going to abide forever because God is eternal. God goes on forever. I'm going to talk tomorrow about body, soul, and spirit, and we're going to talk about what goes on forever. One of the things that goes on forever that, that can be a part of us is this love of God. That can continue But the world will pass away. Chapter two, verse 28. And now little children abide in him. And when it appears, we may have, and when he appears, sorry, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Everyone who practices righteousness. Righteousness is living right. It's doing the right thing, making the right decisions, following the will of God. That is righteousness. Righteousness is, is choosing to obey his commandments and righteousness is walking in the light. It's all of the things we've talked about. But notice that he says, if you practice righteousness. That's an interesting word, practice. I was a band teacher. I encouraged my students to practice. Because I knew the more they practiced, the better they'd get. And I could tell pretty quick the ones that didn't practice. Didn't take long at all. You think it's going to take very long for God to figure out which one of us are practicing righteousness? Because we sin. We fall. Every time we fall, we learn something, and we should be able to get up and move forward and gain from that experience that practice that moves us forward. Practice can also mean the habitual habit of doing something. And I think both apply here. Because we have to keep working on getting better at being righteous, but we also just have to get in the habit of doing it. So that it becomes second nature. There's temptations that we face, particularly when we're younger and inexperienced, that hopefully when we get older, it's not that much of a temptation anymore because we don't think about it too much. We've grown, we've matured, we've gained knowledge and understanding, we've practiced righteousness enough that that doesn't affect us as much anymore. Now, that's the goal. If we're practicing righteousness, in chapter 3, verse 10, John writes, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is how the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, made known, revealed. That's how we know. I can know I'm a child of God if I'm trying to practice righteousness. I can know somebody is not a child of God if they don't practice righteousness. This is how we're made known. This is the fruit that we bear on our trees. This is how God can tell uh, the difference between us. This is how the world can tell the difference between us. Now, it's interesting to me that he he brings this up again. If we don't practice righteousness, we're not of God, nor is he who loves his brother. That's the second time that he's brought... The third time, he brought it up, you got to love your brother. Now he says, if you don't love your brother... You're not practicing righteousness. If you love your brother, you're walking in light. See, all these are connected. None of them stand on their own. They're all interconnected. So we have to practice righteousness. If the Spirit of God lives in us. Chapter 3, verse 24. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. By the spirit whom he has given us. God has given us a spirit. We referenced Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter tells us that when we're baptized, we receive the gift of the spirit. That can't possibly be miraculous power, as in laying on of hands type power, that we, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, it can't possibly be all those things, because there were a whole lot of people that were baptized that the apostles then had to impart those kind of gifts to. They didn't already have. But when we're baptized, we receive a portion of the Spirit. It lives in us. And that fact that that piece of spirit, that part of the spirit is living in us. Helps us. It helps us know and recognize and realize that we are in God. In chapter four, verse one, he tells us, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We're supposed to pay attention. We're supposed to pay attention and evaluate the spirit of those that are around us. Including and especially the spirit of those that are teaching us. There are false teachers out there. We don't like to think about this, but there have been false teachers among us. And we have to recognize that. We have to test the spirits. We have to make sure that the spirit that is teaching us, the spirits that are around us within the brotherhood, that those are godly spirits, that those are the spirit of God working. In chapter 4, verse 9, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, there's that word again, made known or made revealed to us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Jesus was God made visible. Jesus was God manifested to the world so there was a, a physical part that they could, that we could see of God. Now, we can't physically see him. None of us are old enough. Not even Dean. None of us are old enough. But we can see him through his witnesses. The eyewitnesses that he left. And in making Jesus physical among us so that he, so that God could be shown, revealed, made manifest to us, then we have verse 10, and this is love, not that, God, that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is how we can know what love is. This is how we can recognize real love. This is how we can know how to love our brethren. This is how we can know how to love God. This is how we can know to love his commandments and follow them. This is how we can know to how what it's like to love walking in the light. This is how we can know love. So in verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him, that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. It's a guarantee we're told. It's a way that I can know What's coming later? He gives me a little bit so that I can be anxious and anticipate what's coming. So I can know the great things that are on the horizon. So I cannot lose heart. So that I can know what's around the corner. Chapter 4 verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. If we confess Jesus as the son of God. This is important. This is something we have to do with our mouth. This is something we have to do out of out of our voice so people can hear. When we think something, it's interesting when we speak it, it makes it real. It's not enough to just know it in our head. We're supposed to confess it. We're supposed to be able to tell people. In chapter five, verse one, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. God is the one who begot. Jesus is the one who is begotten of him. If we love God, we're going to love Jesus. And Jesus flips that around and says, if you've seen me and loved me, then you know the Father. You've seen the Father and can love the Father. This belief that Jesus is the Son of God, if it's authentic and true, it is proof that we are born again. Now, it can't stand by itself. Because part of knowing that we are saved is... Obeying his commands, living rightly, walking in the light, loving our brother. There's a whole lot of of things that are involved. We'll come back to first John in just a second. But on this note, I want to go to John chapter three. These are things I'm sure you're well acquainted with and, you know, but I want to remind them of us, uh, remind us of it. So that we don't get this idea <laughs> and start be- believing the spirit that says, all I gotta do is confess. All I gotta do is believe. In John chapter three, starting with verse one is where Jesus encounters a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus has some questions. He wants to meet Jesus. And Jesus has some information for him. In verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's an interesting phrase. As near as I can tell, And I could be wrong, but as near as I can tell, this is the first time this phrase is used in Scripture. Born again. I doubt Nicodemus had ever heard this phrase. I doubt he'd ever put those two words together and thought about it one little bit. So when he did, he started trying to figure out where that fit into the existence of of knowledge that he had. And he came up with an idea. Verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a logical question for somebody that's never heard the phrase born again. Now, we hear it all the time. We hear it all the time, and most of the time, we don't agree with the understanding that the people we're talking with have of that idea. So look what and, and so it's here's Nicodemus not understanding as well. So verse five, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and born of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I've had people stand in front of me and tell me that born of the the water is physical birth and born of the spirit is spiritual birth. Well, that could be a logical understanding of what Jesus is talking about. It's not correct. Jesus refutes that in the very next thing he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. I'm not talking about fleshly birth. You were talking about fleshly birth, Nicodemus. I'm not talking about fleshly birth. I'm talking about being born of the water and of the spirit. So in verse seven, he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Don't wonder about that. So in 1 Peter chapter 3 <clears throat> In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 there is also an antitype which Satan now saves us a similitude something like something else. Baptism. Peter here, not for the first time, says baptism is something that saves us. Baptism is necessary. But he points out not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's like Peter knew or understood that people would misunderstand what he was saying. You must be baptized, but I'm not talking about not talking about a bath. Not talking about a shower. I'm talking about a good conscience. A baptism that causes a spiritual reaction. The results are not something we can see, but we can observe the effect. That was something that Jesus talked with Nicodemus about as well. So, can I know that I am saved? Well, it starts with repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Repenting of your sins and begging God for forgiveness of those sins. Then I have to pay attention. I have to make sure I'm walking in the light. I have to keep his commandments. I have to love my brother. I have to not love the world more than I love God. I have to practice righteousness. I have to have the spirit of God living inside me. And I have to confess Jesus Christ as the son of God. There's no option there. I have to do those things. And if I do those things, John wants us to be confident in our salvation. He doesn't want us to doubt. 1 John 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. John wants us to have confidence. Not arrogance. Confidence. He wants us to be sure. He wants us to be sure so that we don't doubt, but he also gives us these concepts so that we can know. If I find myself walking outside the light, then I know that I'm not in a right position with God and I've got to fix that. I've got to get back in the light. If I'm not loving my brother, then I've got to do something about that so that I do have the love of God that's in me. I can... I can measure myself by these things. And then I can know for certain. If you are unsure whether you are in the truth with God, you're in a right relationship that you have salvation. If you're unsure of that, The first thing to ask yourself is, have I repented of my sins? Have I been baptized into his name? Have I confessed the name of Jesus? If you haven't done those things, that's where you start. And if you haven't done those things in a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you should so so choose tonight. If you have already done those things. And you have found yourself walking outside of what God has prescribed. We're also giving you an opportunity. If it's something you need to be bring before the group, then please do. Not everything has to be brought before the group. So if it's not something that you feel needs to be brought before the group, then this is your chance to also to repent of those things to pray to God for forgiveness and to allow the advocate Jesus to propitiate on your behalf. If today is the day of your salvation, please don't walk away from here this afternoon unsure. Instead, know that you are God's. Know that you have eternal life. Won't you come forward as we stand and as we sing?